Welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. We're back with our 38th episode to talk about what's happening in the world of data protection. And this week, we're focusing on some real-life data protection frustrations that we've become aware of during the last few days. Um, And I think uh, these are frustrations from people that we know and we talk to on a regular basis. And we're going to get a little bit passionate about why we think it's so important. So let's talk about the first scenario, Regina, where we have a company that is refusing to update records when knowingly it's incorrect. So do you want to give us a bit of background and insight, Regina? Yes, for sure. So both scenarios are are kind of similar, but have a different level of impact. So first one is a a mutual friend of ours, and um, I'm not going to give her name, but um, essentially she has got a very, she's got a a good email address in terms of it's her first name followed by the Hotmail suffix. Um, So obviously got it quite early and brilliant, you know, great, easy email address. Problem for her is there's another person who's got the same first name who seems to think that that's her email address and uses it incorrectly when buying things and in the recent past applying for loans. So what happens then is our our friend get email confirmation about the activities of this other individual with the same first name because that individual is using the wrong email address. Now what this means is that our friend has to then contact the company. She will always inform them that the email address is wrong, what's happened, the fact this has happened before. And back in the summer, the other individual had applied for a loan and our friend had received through confirmation information about the loan with additional details around addresses and things like that. So she had approached the loan company, informed them that it wasn't correct. Uh, she didn't want to get any more information that, you know, this an, an explained scenario. I think on a second time of asking and explaining, they confirmed that they would remove her from the marketing list and put her on a do not contact list, which they've done. What they didn't do was that actually understand the full breadth of the incorrect data that they held, that they're communicating with the wrong person. So recently, she then received a different document. It was a financial document that had to be sent to all people who'd obviously taken out a loan. So it was more, it wasn't marketing, it was around the management of that contract they had with the other individual, but they sent it to our friend. And so she's getting information about her that she shouldn't have. So again, our friend went back and explained and said, that you know, I was told you put me on a do not contact list you sent me this information it's wrong and she also complained to the ICO because this is now I think the third time of asking and obviously she'd been told not to uh, they've been told not to contact her now because of the way that their system I imagine worked they had the email address of our friend down as the primary contact email still so even though okay. she was on a do not contact list they had to send out this financial information and but still sent it to the wrong person so they haven't fully got the processes in place to support the data accuracy principle. So they've complied on the second time of asking with the do not send marketing information, but they haven't fully understood the situation that this is the wrong person they're sending details to because the the primary individual has given them the wrong data. Their processes should be looking at saying, we've got the wrong data. We're not contacting the right person. This is financial information. Every time we're sending this information, we're potentially putting this other individual's identity, their financial Mm -hmm. situation at risk, and they should remove the incorrect email address and then make every effort through phone calls the right one from the individual and it was really interesting because um, they uh, in replying to our friend they also then disclosed the surname of the individual because obviously at the moment it's just previously been she knows they've got the same first name and that's it they've now disclosed the surname and again it's a very unusual it's an unusual name so i don't think it'd be too hard if you did a google search or facebook search to come up with that 
who this person is and find her. So our friend stated that she believed a data breach had happened, which yep. I would agree with, to be honest. And again, she notified the ICO. But it's not just that disclosure of who this person is and Obviously, you're linking it to the financial information that's previously been sent. There's the fact that you're continuing to process inaccurate data. As our friend said, she's like, I've got the right to have the data removed. And this is now a formal request for erasure. You've got no legal basis on which to process my email address because you've got no reason to contact me. You've got no contract with me. I've got no financial loans with you. You have to remove this information. You don't have my consent to process it. So it's really interesting that they came back initially with that we don't believe a data breach has happened. So I think it's taking very literally that kind of situation around what they understand a data breach to be and it's not full. Do you think it's because they think a breach is only a technical security breach, not an actual breach as in it's a breach of the regulation or a principle of the regulation that's the problem absolutely and i think that's a common misunderstanding people yeah. see data breaches as leaks of data accidental loss which that is correct but yeah. also you know if you're breaching the regulation you can still be penalized for that you know yeah, in the yeah. very nature of it if they understand the reporting of a data breach where it is data loss and so on if you don't do that in time you can be penalized for that because you've breached the rules of the regulation and certainly in a continuing to process unnecessary data that you don't have a justification for got no no lawful basis that's the very first principle of lawfulness and fairness you've got the accuracy principle you're clearly yeah. breaching that because it's inaccurate data that you know is inaccurate and your processes are not backing it up to make sure that there's a full way of of making sure your data is accurate when you're told it's not and i think there's a the couple of things to pick up on that the right to rectification is linked with the accuracy principle in that if you know that something is knowingly inaccurate you should correct it so that has been asked to be done and has failed to be followed so clearly not understanding individual rights plus the uh, accuracy principle i think there's the fact that they are unlawfully processing information on our friend but more than that i don't think they understand the, the stress that they're causing and it's this that as an individual you can take action against so whilst our friend has gone to the ICA the, the regulation does allow individuals to actually take small claims and seek compensation where they feel that they have they have been put in a position of distress and I think that there's a strong case for emotional distress I think there's an epic case for the other individual that she could be subject or he could be subject to you know financial because if you just remember the Barclays advert and it shows if you know someone's name you can go onto Facebook, you can Google them. Actually, our friend, if she was that way inclined, could absolutely look to clone this person. Um, oh, for sure. So it's not hard. And I don't want to scare people on the end of this podcast, but if you know the basic amount of information, you can actually do a lot of damage. So, you know, there is the real option to go for the right to compensation. And I don't think many people understand that that is a right in the GDPR and it's in the UK GDPR as much as it is in the EU version of that. So you're right, people don't get the importance of data protection and, it's and I think it's marketing. no it's not just about marketing and I think it is it's something that we talk about throughout our training it's about making sure that your all of your teams understand why data protection is important and why it's more than you know not sending the email to the wrong yeah. individual and obviously you know the initial lady has given wrong information to the organization yeah. so you know that's a problem and i imagine when you think about it it's probably something like they have to in their system mandatory field have an email address 
for their customers, a primary email address for their customers, but they haven't followed the process through. And it's that kind of thinking about good data management and good processes to support your data protection principles. So what have you got in place to update data when you know it's wrong? And so if you know an email address is wrong, if you're getting bounce backs or you get notified it goes to the wrong individual, you have a duty, particularly with financial information, to make sure it's going to the right place and do your very best to contact that individual and get that correct means of communication with them. So you're not putting their financial security at risk and their identity, as you said. If she's got information about her, she could very easily use that address applying for more loans, you know, and it would look normal because of obviously what she's doing anyway. So it's interesting. And it's, it's kind of that then that links into the second story, which is more linked to marketing. It's sort of a little bit closer to home. So uh, my parents yesterday received five marketing calls from a company that they had expressly told not to call them anymore on a number of occasions. So initially, they'd been interested in engaging with this company and had put an inquiry in through their website, had a conversation with the initial individual from the company, but came to a point that like, actually somebody would need to come to the house and they weren't comfortable with that in the current covid climate so they said no look we we don't want to engage with you at this point in time mm-hmm. the individual's like right okay i'll make a note on our database to say that you don't get any more calls because you know it's a longer term contract thing so it wasn't going to be anything immediate that they would then be able to follow up on with you know until another couple of years have gone by and since then they've been inundated every few days with calls wow. from this company they think that they're probably you know obviously there was five yesterday um and they you know every few days they get a couple probably some that they miss when they're out shopping uh you know doing their weekly shop and um they were so frustrated and i think yesterday one of the callers was particularly rude and you know seemed to think that the company didn't use a database it's not that easy to remove it terrifies me on a number that, of levels because if it's excel i'm do- we're doomed yeah and you do kind of wonder what they're using <laughs> and i think that sort of obviously led to frustration and you know had a, a little conversation with my dad about it and i took to twitter to kind of flag it to their social media so that you know generally that works and it did you get the feedback got the contact details of the the data protection officer so that my dad could follow a process of being able to ensure that his details got removed you know it was it did entertain me the first response was have they checked their customer account to see that they've opted out of marketing so they're not customers Customers. you know if you've got to have a different processes for for your customers for your prospect you can't just assume that if somebody tells you that they don't want to receive marketing that they're your customers you know you yeah. have prospect you can't bombard people you know the first contact has been fine they did it under legitimate interest they were responding to an inquiry steps in contract that's okay but the point you're told that an individual doesn't want to receive marketing calls marketing emails that's an absolute right to object yeah. and, you know you've got the supporting legislation around PECA and how people communicated with you know using electronic communications absolutely have to make sure you follow that through with good processes so if you're not using the database start using one um, and then how do you make sure that if one of your staff is told about an objection that that's followed through across your systems so yeah. that the next member of staff doesn't pick up the phone and call them because at that point you're breaking the law they do talk about it takes 30 days to update all our marketing list. I mean, again, I feel like that's a little bit lengthy time, but it's better than a previous occasion where another friend told me it was taking like 10 weeks. So at least they're down to a 30 day period. But again, it's, you know, five calls in a day. I'd be querying your marketing processes there and to how companies really have to consider how they can make this effective because people will be like, mm, so what? You know, unless you get a lot of complaints going to the ICO, probably not going to fine us. I mean, if you look at the ICO, they are quite prolific with 
Um, nuisance calls. Nuisance calls. So I would be very wary with that. At the same time, you do get people being vocal on social media, which is why they all pick up on it so quickly to look like they're helping. But ultimately, my dad gets another call in the next couple of days. It's just words. You know, it needs to actually have follow through that people have genuine choice over their data and data protection matters. So you need to train your staff on what it means when somebody says, I don't want to receive marketing calls anymore. What's your process to support you adhering to that choice that they've made which they have the right to make and you do not have any right to override particularly when they're not your customers and you've got no other other reason to to be contacting them no absolutely and clearly i did say at the beginning that this was going to be a very passionate discussion from the the regina so thank you for that we will in a future podcast talk about why some companies feel that data protection doesn't apply for them in a small instance and we've talked about large companies and here so we will come back to that subject But for me, understand that data protection applies to you, your customers, your staff, your prospects, anyone visiting your website, and that everyone has the right to complain and challenge you on your practices, because it ultimately is our privacy that we're interested in having protected. So thank you for sharing those uh, amazing cases. I'm sorry that your parents and our friend have been subject to this, but it's been good for a conversation for us on today's podcast. Absolutely. And they kind of, and they're, you know, they know enough to be able to do and respond to it I think there's um, what worries me is there will be people who don't know as much and then are more frustrated and more a risk so if you have any uh, data protection frustrations and you want us to talk about them do email us at coffee at dbxuk.com and uh, we may well discuss them on our next uh, podcast so thank you Regina and thank you everyone for listening Mm -hmm.